Here's your Thursday edition of Transformation Radio. And now we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament. And our scripture today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 51. We'll read through to chapter 10, verse 12. Let's take a brief look at what's going on here just before we begin the actual narration. We'll see that although Jesus knew he would face persecution and death in Jerusalem, he was determined to go there. Well, that kind of resolve should characterize our lives as well. When God gives us a course of action, we must move steadily toward our destination regardless of the potential hazards that await us there. Now, after Assyria invaded Israel, the northern kingdom, and resettled it with its own people, the mixed race that developed became known as the Samaritans. Purebred Jews hated these half-breeds, and the Samaritans in turn hated the Jews. So many tensions arose between the two peoples that Jewish travelers between Galilee and southern Judea often would walk around rather than through Samaritan territory. Now we'll read here today that Jesus gave two rules for the disciples to follow as they traveled. They were to eat what was set before them. That is, they were to accept hospitality without being picky, and they were to heal the sick. Because of the healings, people would be willing to listen to the good news. And we'll read about Sodom. Sodom was an evil city that God had destroyed because of its great sinfulness back in Genesis. The city's name is often used to symbolize wickedness and immorality. But cities who saw the Messiah and rejected Him will suffer even more. And with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. April 2nd, the New Testament. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through chapter 10, verse 12. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, Come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. The Lord now chose seventy-two other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go, and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, May God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. 
Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them, The kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, We wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. Psalm 74, verses 1 through 23. Let's uh, look at a brief overview of what we'll be reading about here in the Psalms today. You know, God's anger against Israel had grown hot during the many years of their sin and idolatry. His patience endured for generations, but at last it was set aside for judgment. If you fall into sin but quickly seek God's forgiveness, His mercy may come quickly and His anger may leave quickly. If you persist in sinning against Him, don't be surprised when His patience runs out. Now when enemy armies defeated Israel, they sacked and burned Jerusalem, trying to wipe out every trace of God. This has often been the response of people who hate God. Today, many are trying to eliminate God from our public life and particularly from our schools. Do what you can to maintain a Christian influence, but don't become discouraged when others appear to make great strides in removing all traces of God. They cannot eliminate His presence among believers. Psalm 74, verses 1 through 23, a psalm of Asaph. O God, why have you rejected us so long? Why is your anger so intense against the sheep of your own pasture? Remember that we are the people you chose long ago, the tribe you redeemed as your own special possession. And remember Jerusalem, your home on earth. Walk through the awful ruins of the city. See how the enemy has destroyed your sanctuary. There your enemies shouted their victorious battle cries. There they set up their battle standards. They swung their axes like woodcutters in a forest. With axes and picks, they smashed the carved paneling. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the place that bears your name. Then they thought, let's destroy everything. So they burned down all the places where God was worshipped. We no longer see your miraculous signs. All the prophets are gone, and no one can tell us when it will end. How long, O God, will you allow our enemies to insult you? Will you let them dishonor your name forever? Why do you hold back your strong right hand, unleash your powerful fist, and destroy them? You, O God, are my king from ages past, bringing salvation to the earth. You split the sea by your strength and smashed the heads of the sea monsters. You crushed the heads of Leviathan, and let the desert animals eat him. You caused the springs and streams to gush forth, and you dried up rivers that never run dry. Both day and night belong to you. You made the starlight and the sun. You set the boundaries of the earth, and you made both summer and winter. See how these enemies insult you, Lord. A foolish nation has dishonored your name. Don't let these wild beasts destroy your turtle doves. Don't forget your suffering people forever. Remember your covenant promises, for the land is full of darkness and violence. 
Don't let the downtrodden be humiliated again. Instead, let the poor and needy praise your name. Arise, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how these fools insult you all day long. Don't overlook what your enemies have said or their growing uproar. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense.
Devotion. Today's scripture reading begins in verse 1 of Psalm 62. My soul waits in silence for God only, 
from him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will you assail a man that you may murder him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? They have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly they curse. My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God my salvation and my glory rest, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. One of the most difficult things Christians are to do is to wait in silence for God only, as we read in Psalm 62, verse 1. We tend to think of waiting as passively sitting back until something happens. However, in the midst of a stormy life event, we don't like inactivity. Our instinct is to run quickly and force things to change. But in today's psalm, the word wait has a different meaning. It connotes pause for further instructions. Instead of opting for passivity, we must choose to stop our actions and listen for God's directive. Sometimes the Lord is silent for a season, but He always has a purpose. He knows the perfect time for us to act, and until that moment, we need to wait. It takes more strength and character to be still in the midst of a storm than to frantically seek our own solution. Maybe you at times wait impatiently. When that happens, you can become nervous and question God or complain. But those reactions do not fit the character of a Christian. Paul tells us plainly to be anxious for nothing. He instructs us instead to pray to the Lord who offers peace we're to wait in silence without complaining, which means we must have patience. In order for that to happen, we must trust in God's wisdom, love, power, and timing. We can't go wrong when we rely on Him. The key to finding peace in the storm is waiting for God only. When we refuse to do so, we are more likely to make bad decisions. He hears our every prayer but we must be willing to wait in silence and listen for his reply. One million reasons why you shouldn't even try After all, you're just one heart A single candle in the dark And there are shadows here Feeding on your fears That you don't have what it takes Who are you to make a change? But oh, oh Don't underestimate the God you follow Whatever you do, just don't look back Somebody needs a lot to have Whatever you do, just don't lose heart Keep on pushing back the dark Keep on pushing back the dark A city on a hill It should 
be shining still Every sinner saved by grace Has a purpose, has a place Inside the bigger plan We might not understand But if we just keep walking on We will see the kingdom come, yeah Whatever you do, just don't look back Oh, somebody needs a light to have Whatever you do, just don't lose heart Keep on pushing back the dark Keep on pushing back the dark To make the God you follow He is the light that burns inside your soul So keep on shining till the whole world knows Whatever you do, just don't look back Or somebody needs a light to have Whatever you do, just don't lose heart Keep on pushing back the dark Back the door, door. Whatever you do, just don't look back. Cause somebody needs a lot to have. Whatever you do, just don't lose heart. Keep on pushing back the door. Keep on pushing back the door. Yeah. When you feel like you're too small. Pushing back, pushing back the dark Yeah, pushing back, pushing back, pushing back the dark It's just pushing back, pushing back, pushing back the dark Let your light so shine The Lorette Business Network, in association with the Refuge Ministries, presents one of the 40 principles of the Foundation for Achievement. John, this next principle is the self-government principle of morality based on Proverbs 11, verse 11. The good influence of godly citizens causes a city to prosper, but the moral decay of the wicked drives it downhill. You'd think these people were in Columbia with us a few times, huh? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) right, right, yeah. Uh, Morality is an interesting thing. You know, about 10 years ago, you know, the uh, government said here in the U.S. that uh, we cannot uh, legislate morality, uh, but now we are. Yes, we I mean, are. I mean, it's on the table, and we are not talking about morality because morality is the actually the key to any successful society. Mm-hmm. Absolutely key. Without moral standards that uh, bring self-behavior, you know, uh, you cannot you cannot function properly. And in Colombia, we've seen where when godly people rise up oh, yes. with a moral message that country will respond. Oh, yeah. In yes. fact, right now in the world, overall in the world, uh, that, that's one of the hottest subjects is values mm-hmm. from a moral standpoint. Well, let's the read our principles. of the person, yeah. Morality, what is it? Webster's defines it as principles, standards, or habits with respect to right or wrong conduct. The proverb relates it to godliness, meaning God-designed standards. It should be understood that God created man and beast with a purpose in mind. 
Each species was created after its kind, which means that each one of them was created with fixed attributes. Man, however, was given a special gift, the gift of reasoning, and that is one of our greatest gifts as people, huh, John? Uh, that's true. You know, the uh, in, in creation, if you understand creation, uh, everything was made with a fixed parameters that they functioned by. An animal just knows how to do certain things, and... Uh, but man was not. Man, man was given extra stuff, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit, but that's, that's going to be the key. And so if you follow this, this is critical to catch because this make, is what makes life work and not work, and it's a very critical situation here. No animal can reason itself out of its created intent. A robin cannot decide its values or redesign its lifestyles. Its functions are according to its code and design. Likewise, man was created after his kind. However, he has two codes to live by. The first one is a conscience. That's a sense of right and wrong. And then the commandments. That's right. And that, that's where we get into what you call really depth discussion. Because what happens is this, that animals live by the conduct that they were created to. Like a robin, he'll build his nest the same way. He will not change to a... Uh, from year to year, he'll not say, well, I, I want an early American style or the next time I want a uh, <laughs> sure, traditional traditional style of some kind. He just builds, he, he just does what he knows what to do, and he doesn't learn a new way. He can look at other nests of other uh, birds, and he can watch them, but he cannot design one himself. I mean, he's, he, he just builds it the way he's designed to build it. Now, man is different. Man is given the the, uh, the creative uh, mind of reasoning that he can make choices. And uh, so in those choices is where we get into problems because we have what, what regulates us then. So the, the, the question is, how are we regulated? What is the control factor? And this is the interesting thing. Only in creation, the only thing that ever got commandments was people. And that is their code of regulation. That's beautiful. And that is to make sure that they operate within a design. They can still be creative, but they have to understand the code of regulation oh, to keep morality important. in place. If not, then it becomes self-destructive. The mind really is self-destructive and absolutely self-destructive if it's not under regulation. Like a computer that has no regulation, it's destructive. Yeah. We know by nature that it's wrong to kill, steal, or destroy. That's why people do bad things in the dark when no one is watching. Since man was given the gift of reason, he also needs commandments. These commandments become codes for proper function. Uh, they become moral codes. We need them because with our gift of reasoning, we can reason ourselves away from our created conscience. And that's a war that goes on in the battleground of the mind. Don't you? That's right. A conscience, uh, it's also interesting to understand that a conscience is not necessarily a true guide. Uh, without laws... Uh, to steer the conscience, you can sear the conscience and the conscience will allow you to do things. There are people that can kill and feel good about it. Yes. Uh, that's because of a trained conscience, because they think about something so long and they justify it and reason it out, and then the first thing they know, they feel justified in doing it. There are people that steal. Uh, in uh, in uh, some of these uh, uh, foreign countries, these uh, third world countries, they don't feel guilty sometimes in stealing because they say, you have so much, you have more than you need anyhow. The U.S. should be handing it out. And, uh, and so we have a right to steal or destroy in order to get it because that's unfair. You're unfair in not giving it to us. Well, that's not how life was designed. Life was designed to earn. Mm -hmm. Okay, not uh, so, so it's very critical 
that that we understand how those how those law those moral laws function. That if, if we don't, when well, we become destructive, and we'll need more attorneys. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like yes. Many rights and wrongs must be taught. These are the commandments. But some rights and wrongs are part of our created human nature. This is our conscience. When we harden our hearts and sear our God-given conscience, we become selfish, greedy, and self-willed. This leads us away from our natural morals. Our conscience is not our true guide unless it's governed by the commandments. That's right. Uh, it is not, I mentioned that before, it's not a true guide unless it's uh, governed by commandments. But uh, we still have a God-given conscience even we don't know the moral law. Mm-hmm. And, and that is mean that uh, any kid that grows up uh, that kills uh, and watches it, I mean, they feel guilty. I mean, because they hide, they run, even when they steal they do have a conscience because uh, they don't they don't take and when they steal they look around to see if somebody's watching you know so there is a inbred conscience that we have uh, but that's not enough on itself because it finally justifies what it's doing but then the commandments are there to hold it and, and to steady it God made man and beast, male and female, for reproductive purposes. It is only the human that practices homosexuality. Only humans become addicted to drugs and alcohol. Only humans plan abortions. It may be legal or politically correct, but these things are still morally wrong. A business deal may be legal but still violate moral principles. Morality deals with justice for both parties, and it's under a code of right and wrong given by the designer. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you is not a suggestion. That's right. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how to get into this um, to where we really capture the, the key to this whole thing uh, because, because it still deals with right and wrong. It still deals with perception, uh, like a business deal. It may be legal. Some people think that anything that's legal, anything that's made legal, then is okay. They say, well, abortion, no, that's morally... That's morally wrong. That's just morally wrong. Now, it's legal, but just because something is made legal does not mean that means that the mind has justified it. Sure. And then then you, uh, a business deal, may, may, you may say, well, I didn't do anything wrong in a business deal, but you might have done something wrong, even if it's legal. So morality is deeper. It, it deals with the human issue, the part of creation that God designed us. And if life is going to work for us right, and if society is going to work right, then they have to deal with that issue of the moral character and the moral law that that the uh, the legal things should be structured under that. But they're not always. And mm-hmm. so we have to read into that and find out where the moral law really is. John, you give us three ways to check our conscience. Number one, do you have a problem looking certain people in the eye and being transparent? That's right. Sometimes when people discuss things with you, they can't look at you. Uh-huh. You know, they, they want to hide or they want to cross the streets. <laughs> they don't, don't see you. Uh, you know, I've, I've made loans to people already, and they swore to God, and you know, I, I'll give it back. You just help me out and give it back. You give you give them the uh, the thousand dollars or stuff like that, and they never see you. They they can't even face you because really, what it was, I knew when I gave it to them that that, that they were not planning on to it, but they swore to God that they would. But now they can't face it because they never had an intent to give it to you. You know, the second. Are you afraid to openly discuss certain issues? That's right. Some people get <laughs> really hot when you bring up an issue because they just lose it or they don't want to even get into it. They, they either get extremely mad and they don't they want to avoid an issue because it's something that they can't deal with because they, they feel guilty. 
And the third one, do you feel uncomfortable talking about God? That's right. I remember the time that when people talked to me about God, I felt uncomfortable, you know, because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're afraid to get into discussion of something that, uh, you know, it's just funny how that works, you know. We are responsible before God and mankind to follow a moral code of ethics. This code is based upon truth from God and creation. The commandments were given as the guideline for human behavior. They teach respect for God and our fellow man. That's true. I want to stop there. That's really true. Sometimes people think that anything that they can get away with or anything that's legal uh, or anything, you know, that's okay. But it, it is it, the moral laws and the codes of God are respect for God. But they were given not just to satisfy God. God is going to make it with us or without it. They were really, the laws were given to make human relations work. If you look at the Ten Commandments, only one was in respect to God. The others were in respect for man. These laws and principles were not given just so we can please God, but they were designed and given with us in mind. We are the beneficiaries. That's right. We will do ourselves a favor by living and structuring ourselves and our societies upon them. Our forefathers understood this. That's why our constitution and system of laws are structured around God's commandments. It was to create a moral society. That's right. And if you if you read the constitution, you're you're surprised. They, they don't they don't teach a lot, bring a lot of religious things in, but they respect God and His law. Mm-hmm. I and mean, it it. Some people say, well, it was religion. It was not religion. It was just understanding the facts of life. If you took God, the word God out and just say there are life principles or life laws, creation, laws of creation, then people would accept them. But they were taken from the Bible and they were taken from God's word. And so it's very critical. Most moral values are plain common sense. Just because we have been given the ability to reason and choose does not license us to break the moral standards. Morality is simply a rule of conduct that is right, right for you, right for me, according to the designer. We might ask the man in the mirror if he knows what is right. Uh, boy, that's that's powerful. <laughs> that that tells it as it is. You know, it's what's right, not just for me, but what's right for you. And look in the mirror and judge yourself and say, like, am I doing right? Principle of Morality, Proverbs 11, verse 11. The good influence of godly citizens causes a city to prosper, but the moral decay of the wicked drives it downhill. How powerful, John. It is, and it's really probably one of the most popular subjects in the world right now. Everybody's talking about morality, but nobody knows exactly where to start, where the absolute start, and that's what they're trying to discover. But uh, we will not become moral as a society unless understand the value of it and that's what's being discussed right now and in order to understand the value we have to understand that the mind is not is neutral the mind is not moral or is not right or wrong the mind is neutral when we are we are born we are born with a blank tape in our mind and whatever we discover through our five senses hearing touching tasting and all that whatever we discover is shaped in our mind and recorded and then that becomes what our character and our nature and all the things that come out of that that's going to be 90% of what we are. And so we have to understand that. And so it's important that we find absolute truth. We, our mind needs absolute. It needs commandments. 
And uh, without that, we'll never discover what real morality is. So we got to search for the absolute. And when we find them, then we got to teach those from a child. we got to teach those, and then that will steer a society into moral character. Who are we That you would be mindful of us What do you see That's worth looking our way We are free In ways that we never should be
Thanks for listening. Make sure to tune in tomorrow for the next edition of Transformation Radio.